question could be as broad as what is the business problem you're trying to solve? Um, and they'll answer and they'll answer something that's probably not usually the right answer or not deep enough so that you fully understand it. But if you start asking a series of follow-up questions, how long has this been a problem? Why haven't you been able to solve it? Have you tried to solve it with other solutions? Any idea what this problem might be costing you or your company? If the problem keeps going, what is that impact going to be? Um, how are you going to go about evaluating that you that you found a good solution for this problem? Who are the stakeholders involved in this problem? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how important is solving this problem to the to the company? Um, those are the types of follow up questions. So you ask a question, and then you you keep asking more and more questions until you can shake your head and say, "I am one hundred percent sure I fully understand this problem." So. On this episode of the Buyer's Wisdom Podcast, I was honored to be joined by Kathleen Roberge, Chief Revenue Officer at Newswhip. As a CRO, Kathleen has led many go-to-market teams in private equity-backed SaaS companies as they pursue rapid revenue growth. I asked her to join because I've always been impressed by the way she designs and trains sales teams on buyer-focused sales processes. The intro clip you heard sums up well how sales teams should begin a sales process with exhaustive discovery focused on understanding buyers' problems so that we can build the best possible solutions and convince organizations to change. I hope you find it helpful. Welcome, everyone, to the Buyer's Wisdom Podcast presented by The Buyer's Way. Our guest today on the show is Kathleen Roberge. Kathleen is the Chief Revenue Officer at NewsWhip, the only real-time media monitoring platform that predicts the stories and topics that will matter in the hours ahead. Kathleen is a seasoned sales and marketing professional in the SaaS world, focused on building, developing, and scaling sales and growth organizations. Kathleen, I'm honored and excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Can you please introduce yourself and maybe a little bit more about NewsWhip? Sure. Thanks, John. I'm equally as honored to be here. And you failed to mention in my introduction that we've had the pleasure of working together uh, several years ago where we first met as consultant client, and then as Pierce, uh, growing a global sales and marketing organization. So that was a lot of fun. And and now I'm sitting on your podcast. So it's interesting to see how our professional relationship has evolved. But yes, as you mentioned, I'm Kathleen Roberge. I have spent the last 20 or so years of my career focused on um, basically growing um SaaS organizations and very, very focused on the commercial and revenue side, everything from sales to marketing, to go to market, to customer success, um, and everything that kind of drives the revenue. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And I'm I'm currently at NewsWhip where we spend a lot of time helping very large organizations understand the news and media and social media landscape a lot better um, than they would on their own. Uh, so essentially what we do is we predict where stories are going and whether or not companies need to react to them. Uh, so that's been a that's been an engagement that I've been involved in for the last year, almost a year, um, and been having a lot of fun uh, helping grow that organization. That's awesome. 
Yeah, so anyway, thanks for having me. I'm always happy to participate in podcasts. I spent a lot of time in my career learning from peers and leaders across different organizations. So always like to give back as well. So thanks for having me. Of course, thank you. All right, um, so today's podcast is episode three of our series. Uh, and this is focused on chapter three of The Buyer's Way, The Wisdom of the Mentor. Uh, and this is all about how we help our under, uh, how we help buyers understand uh, the problem that they have and make sure that it's a problem that we can help solve for. So uh, often we, our team, and this uh, as this story goes, our team, our salespeople, our marketing team, our mentors to our buyers. That's how we should be thinking about our team. We're helping them uncover the underlying root causes of problems and challenges um, and making sure that we can solve for them. We do this through discovery is a pretty general term for it. Uh, it's often the very beginning of the sales process that sales folks will uh, go through. Um, so I've seen Kathleen, as she mentioned, we've worked together. I've seen her as CRO, uh, overseeing sales teams, training sales teams as they get to know buyers and get to know the jobs that they're doing, the problems uh, that they have. And so that's why I've asked her to join. So, so Kathleen, to start, when your team is out meeting with buyers early on in an engagement, how does your team uncover whether there's a legitimate deal there? Um, whether it's worth investing precious resources of the firm into further conversations with a buyer? Yeah, good, good question. Well, the first thing I think to understand is, are they ready to begin a buyer journey? Um, not are they ready to see a demo or are they ready for a proposal or are they ready to hear more about your solution, but are they ready to begin a process for buying? And what does that mean? Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to ask them, are you ready to begin a buyer journey? <laughs> um, it's it's determining whether or not they have a problem that's compelling enough to solve with urgency. And do they have the ability to secure a budget to solve that problem? Mm -hmm. uh, so the initial discussion always needs to be about them. Um, and as much as salespeople are told, you know, go into meetings with an agenda, follow a process, you know, show a demo or a taste of a demo or a tease of a demo. These bets are kind of off in the early stages when you're trying to uncover whether a deal exists or not. And it's it's very similar to, I always say the scenario to my sales team, you, you wouldn't go to a doctor and expect just to get a prescription without him doing some tests or some doing a bunch of questions and, and really getting to the root root cause of the problem. The same is, should be true for salespeople. So don't talk about your solution until you know exactly how your solution is going to solve the challenge that they have. So one of the things that I always recommend is some sort of a structure um, to kind of follow. And I'm not talking about follow step by step, but it is important to have an idea of how you're going to uncover, how you're going to put the emphasis on the buyer and then help them determine whether or not they're set up to buy. Um, there's a there's an acronym that is very, very useful. A lot of people don't use this and don't know about this, but it's it's DRILL, D-R. I-I-L. Mm. Um, and so the D stands for direction. And so this is what I was referring to earlier, where a lot of salespeople get caught up in kind of setting the objective. Here's what we're going to accomplish today. And the D really stands for, no, <laughs> the direction should be set 
by the customer or the prospect. What do you want to get out of this meeting? What's the most important thing you want to achieve today? Um, you shouldn't be giving them your objectives and asking them to follow your process. It's really their process. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the R, and that's the reality of the situation. So this is where you really explore their current situation. You're probing for issues. You're saying, tell me what your current setup is in regards to this. What are the challenges that you are facing in regards to this? And it's just a, a really easy way to pick up on any challenges or problems that they might have. And then there's a couple of I's in there. The first one is issue drill down, which a lot of salespeople fail to do. They take things at surface level uh, where you should be asking, tell me more about that. Explain that to me. What do you really mean by that? <laughs> um, and this really helps kind of open up those surface level issues and really dig to the, to the actual problem. Yeah. The second I is impact. Um, and that's trying to understand the impact of the problem. So how does it affect your business? What impact does it have on costs to the business? What impact does it have to you and your team? These I always think are the best questions in sales. And that's because they take, they take the conversation away from the problem and more towards the emotional and personal impact, which is really, really important to understand if you're going to get to the bigger picture. And then the third I is actually imagine. Um, so, you know, okay, I understand your problem. I understand um, potentially the impact of the problem. Now let's talk about what a solution might look like to help you solve your problem. And you sort of change the mindset a little bit and have them start voicing their opinion on what a good solution looks like, what does success look like, and then you get to the final piece, which when I tell people about this methodology, they always get surprised, which it's the L in drill, which is lead. And it's the salesperson says, okay, you told me all this stuff about your problem, your the impact of it, what a good solution looks like. How can I help you? <laughs> it always throws people for a loop. They'll, they'll either answer with how you can help. So they'll, they'll actually pitch your solution back to you, which is a positive thing. Or they'll say, I don't know, you tell me, <laughs> I don't know much about your solution. And then that's the perfect way to lead in nicely into the presentation for your solution. Yeah. Like, I like to follow that methodology because I think it's, it's a, it's a great way to kind of uncover whether or not someone's serious. Yeah. That's awesome. I, the, I, I'm not familiar with drill, but I love everything I heard about it. Um, and I think that aligns with a lot of the thinking here. Um, you mentioned issues, uh, and you did a, and so, and you began to touch on that. I want to come back to that in a second, but I, I like the idea of establishing those issues. Uh, if I follow this correctly, um, the second I, uh, I've already lost what that oh, impact. And so, and, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think really kind of makes that issue real, uh, both in terms of how bad the issue is, and then, and this almost leads into the third eye, but it's imagining what the future state could look like. How much better will it be? And I think uh, one of the reasons in discovery, getting to those issues is so important is because getting people to buy later on down the road is going to require a real feeling of how much pain this is and what the impact is going to be because change, as we know, is hard. And so, uh, you know, you have to convince them that the pain of change is less uh, than the pain of doing it the way we're doing it today. So anyway, that makes a lot of sense. On issues, you began to kind of ask, and that's a question I get a lot without saying, hey, 
you know, what's your challenge, which is, a, or what pain points do you have? Like, how do you really, without asking them, like, I'm a salesperson, I'm here to ask you what your pain point is. How do you, what kind of questions do you ask to understand whether or not there is uh, a, a problem or at least an opportunity for improvement? Yeah, it starts with a proper needs assessment, which usually begins with a few really strong open-ended questions. And I don't, I don't think it's about the quantity of questions or providing your team with a checklist of questions. It's, it's asking a few of the right questions and then digging deep enough until you feel 100% sure you fully understand the problem. Um, and, and the thing I will say is don't ask dumb questions <laughs> that show that you didn't do your research or that you were too lazy to, to bother getting to know this organization before you even got on a call with them. But I'll give you an example of one that I think is a good one to start with. The, the question could be as broad as what is the business problem you're trying to solve? Um, and they'll answer and they'll answer something that's probably not usually the right answer or not deep enough so that you fully understand it. But if you start asking a series of follow-up questions, how long has this been a problem? Why haven't you been able to solve it? Have you tried to solve it with other solutions? Um, how big of a problem is, you know, what is any idea what this problem might be costing you or your company? If the problem keeps going, what is that impact going to be? Um, how are you going to go about evaluating that you, that you found a good solution for this problem? Who are the stakeholders involved in this problem? Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how important is solving this problem to the, to the company? Um, those are the types of follow-up questions. So you ask a question and then you you keep asking more and more questions until you can shake your head and say, I am 100% sure I fully understand this problem. So it's not, it's not necessarily about how many questions, it's about how many questions it takes to get to that, to that answer. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Thank you. Um, and so you mentioned earlier, we don't want to move to demos. We don't want to just start talking about our product. And that's what we're here to discuss. It's about, you know, establishing this problem that we have. I talked to a lot of salespeople that say, yeah, but you still want to show them something. You still, you know, you don't want to just get on a call and do nothing but ask questions. Um, so early on in the process, short of, you know, bringing up the tech and, and walking them through it. How do you train the team to, you know, to bring some value early on in the process to, um, you know, provide guidance, provide best practices, other ideas, build trust in some way? What do you do to give a little back as part of this discovery process so it's not just us collecting information from them? Yeah, I would say there's probably four or five things that you could do that are really easy. Um, the first one I, I sort of mentioned already, it's it starts with the research and really understanding their business before you even start talking to them. So what are the key issues? Do I understand this industry? What are the guiding principles here at this company, their mission, the size, the number of employees that they're dealing with, those types of things so that you come to that first conversation smart. Um, you know, speaking of smart, um, I think the other thing is to show that you are one of the smarter people in the room. You know the product, which is really important, but that's not the most important thing. I think it's it's better to show that you have some understanding of their industry, you have some understanding of the competitive landscape, and you can explain it to them and help educate them as part of the process. Another thing that I think you can do 
in terms of just establishing some credibility is explaining, and this is a real easy one, explaining what results you helped other customers get. So this is, you know, typical case studies or, you know, in the case where you're, you're lucky enough to have online reviews from your customers, pull those up, talk about some stories, share some real challenges that people had that you were able to help them solve. Um, another thing that I think is, is very useful, and this is, this is something I learned pretty late in my career, I'm embarrassed to say, but this whole idea of giving to get, <laughs> so you can't keep asking for information and not expect to give something back to add value in the, in the sales process, even if you're early in the sales process. So there's things like, okay, you did a demo, but you know, I've, I've seen like after a demo, a lot of times 50% of those prospects fall off. We never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing after that demo to make sure that you're adding value? And a really, really good thing to do is something like a workshop. Hey, we showed you a brief demo. Now we're going to ask you to come with a real problem that we can solve online with you together. But it's going to require that you bring some stakeholders to this and, and we make sure that we do some pre-work um, and you give us some information ahead of the workshop. But we're going to give you some really valuable reports as a result of the workshop or some takeaways that it, that is going to be pretty valuable to you. So that's something that you can do in a in a sales process that doesn't doesn't cost a lot of money, but it is very, very valuable. And then another thing I think that that totally helps with the trust building is um, just customizing everything. So really showing that prospect that you understand what's specific to them. Um, you know, don't don't give them a demo that where there are parts that don't have any relevance to helping solve their problem, or don't talk about a feature that's not related to a problem that they have. And then I always say, you know, be honest about what you can do. Don't don't or do what do what you say you're going to do, um, and and just have fun. Stay engaged, smile, and relate to them on on some level. Yep. Okay. That's really good. I, I like all those. Um, and I've seen I've seen I would say all of those work. And I think giving give to get is a it's a, it's a critical part that's often overlooked at the beginning of the process. Um, and you know to keep them interested, to keep them on your side, to help help them you know go out and because you're you've got a lot of requests to make of, of this poor person that's on the other end of that conversation. You need them to bring data to the table. You might need to have people joining this conversation that they didn't necessarily know needed to join the conversation. And I'm, so you've got requests of them. And so giving early, um, you know, helps along that way. So yep. in, in terms of just to, to turn to people, what when you hire, when you train, what do you want that, uh, you know, what kind of roles do discovery and what do they need to be good at? What traits, what values, however you think about it, what does the ideal candidate look like that tells you this person's going to be really good at doing discovery, painting the picture of this problem that we can solve? The biggest one for me is, and this isn't just discovery, this is throughout the whole sales process, is the the curiosity, the the thirst for knowledge, the I'm not going to take anything at face value. I really want to learn more about it. That that I think is probably what makes salespeople really successful, but particularly in the discovery part of the process. Another another competency is just the ability to think on their feet. You know, it, this is not a linear process. You can't give people 
a checklist and say, go through the checklist. And once you get this, then go to this. It's, you know, I need to know how to connect the dots. If they say X, I've got to be able to know what, what my solution does for them to solve for X. Um, good communicators, it's always important. So not just verbal, but written as well. So always following up um, after conversations with good, valuable information. Um, willingness to learn and, and be coachable. Um, they, can, they can listen to feedback. Mm -hmm. um, people who are prepared and pay attention to details, I think is always important, especially in the discovery process. And I'm going to say this, I think a lot of people won't won't necessarily agree with me, but I think a good process, sales process oriented person is tech enabled. They know how to use tech and they know how to use it to their advantage, you know, during discovery and beyond. Yeah. Um, and then those are things I think that are more inherent competencies, but I also think that there's some I call them coachable competencies, which are, you know, the, the product knowledge, the storytelling, um, the process to understand a customer challenge, um, strategic problem solving, time management, prioritization, things like that are, are more teachable competencies. But I think all of them are important. But if I were to pick one, it, it'd definitely be that curiosity, you know, thirst for knowledge. Yeah, I am. I hate to say that. I I completely agree as if but it but the curiosity that was the word that's the word I always think of and it's it's easy not easy um but when you interview folks you can tell who's curious and not oh, yeah. and you know there's there's ways to get past interviews and you make bad hires but but curiosity seems to be something that sticks out because no matter what you're doing if you're you don't you don't have to know anything about the technology it has nothing to do with the technology but if you're interviewing somebody what kind of questions are they asking you about yourself and about the company? And are they curious? Because <laughs> if they're not curious about the business uh, that they're looking to come into or what makes them a good fit, if they're not asking themselves these questions, then uh, then they're not a curious person. They're not going to ask those questions when we do discovery and they're not going to have a firm understanding of the current state within these clients. So yeah. I like Cool. Um, one of my, I think my last question is having said all that uh, and having the best process and the, the best frameworks and the best people, still things break down. So what mistakes, what common mistakes do you see either other CROs make? What mistakes might you have made? Or what do you see um, you know, from a team of sales folks that are out there doing discovery? What do you think some of the big mistakes are that take place? Yeah, I think there's probably three main ones um, or maybe four. Um, the first one is, you know, those sellers who have a seller centric mindset, they're thinking about the problem. I mean, I'm sorry, they're thinking about the product and not the problem, or they're thinking about their own interests and agendas and not the buyer's interests or agendas. That's a, that's a big mistake. The other one that I see is this chaos that sometimes takes takes place in a sales process. And this is, you know, the typical salesperson who sort of wings it instead of really having proper planning going into a call, or um, they're using just a series of questions instead of like a framework that we talked about earlier. Um, or the worst is those that just rely completely on memory <laughs> and they just don't take notes and then they go into the next call and it's it's, it's just not effective because <laughs> they they forgot what they talked about the last time. 
Um, and then the third mistake I see is this, this, I call it skimming. <laughs> um, but really what it is, is you ask a couple of high level or surface level questions. And, and sometimes they're even leading questions without going in depth um, to really understand. And this is go back, goes back to what I was saying earlier, where salespeople, you know, ask maybe one or two and they don't probe enough. So they never really fully understand the challenge that the customer has. Um, so they take that approach where they're they're making some assumptions instead of really digging in and getting diagnostic. Yeah. Um, and then finally, what I always I always see this, and I always forget to mention this to people, but um, this is something that I know you'll you have seen this before. You see a sales discussion or a meeting where there's always a rush at the end. It's like, okay, we have five minutes left. Um, let's try to wrap up this quickly. And there's never they never leave time for this recapping of the value. Um, and so I think that's, and I see that every time it's like they're rushing at the end. It's like, why didn't they save 15 minutes at the end of this call dedicated to talk about some of the recaps, the decisions, um, you know, the, the, the really important meat of the call. And uh, that's, that's definitely a mistake. But I, I think the, probably the biggest mistake is just skimming and not getting deep enough on the initial discovery and questions that, that, that you should be doing. Great. Uh, and I always allow myself one extra question, um, but how do you measure all of this? How do you know if your team is good at discovery? Is it just wait until it closes or doesn't close? Or can you tell early on in that process whether or not they're doing effective discovery? Well, I'm a big fan of listening to <laughs> to calls, but um, you know that that's obviously one thing, but it's not yeah. totally scalable. <laughs> Um, but obviously, you know, if you're getting results, if you're starting to see conversion rates increase or conversion rates, at least at the beginning of the funnel, um, you know, over 25%, um, you, you can also tell in people's forecasting. Um, so if their forecasting is is pretty accurate, you know, they're doing good discovery. And then the, the last thing is you aren't getting surprises in the sales process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those salespeople who say, I don't know where this came from. Like this just got introduced and it, you know, never came up before, you know, it's like, all right, we got to go back to the basics on discovery. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, th I think those are the, the indicators that discovery is either going well or not. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, and thanks for all your answers today. Um, that's all the, that is all the questions we have time for today. I want to thank you, Kathleen, for joining us. I know there's a lot going on over at News Whip, and we appreciate you making the time. So thank you for joining, and, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, John. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. And thank you all for listening. Uh, and please join again as we uh, continue down this journey. Take care.